Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 170. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm actually in Hebei at the moment, so my obviously my background, my living situation is slightly different for the next few weeks because uh, we're here uh, doing Chinese New Year. Uh, so that's going to happen around the 30th. And uh, I've been here before and uh, experienced what you would what you would call a real Chinese New Year um, before. We were actually in the village. Um, there's not really anyone from a Chinese village who's actually uh, sort of a that from that kind of place will tell you that you don't really experience Chinese New Year properly until you experience it in a village. This that's what they would say. Of course, people that are born and raised in cities would say something different. But uh, the idea is that you have like a di, you have a chang di, you have a a di, a place, you have a bit of land where you can actually set off fireworks and you can invite people around. It's and uh, you go around and you visit people, um, your neighbors, and you see how they are. And um, it's just a very different experience from living in, in the city where everyone's sort of closed off in their own little apartments. Um, uh, and it's just it's it's quite an experience. It's really interesting. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, so got lots to share with you today. Uh, now that we we've sort of lowered the frequency of doing these podcasts, we we get these really um, we get more gems. We get more sort of um, really interesting, unique um, emails and messages that come in from you guys. We get to save them up and then um, deliver them to you every couple of weeks. So this first uh, message is from an anonymous member, just giving us a nice update of how they're doing. But they just wanted to. Don't want to share their name which is fair enough so this person just says hi luke and phil almost done with level 55 which is amazing by the way level 55 like so that's almost very very close to the end of the intermediate course and we've recently doubled the size of the course so the this used to be the end of the course um but now we've doubled the size of it um so he's, uh, he's still got another well at least at the moment um another 40 or so levels to go um, which is still going to take a little while to get through, but that's incredible progress. And at this point, um, you'll know, if you get to this point, at the end of the intermediate, you'll know um, the most common 1,531 characters, as well as thousands of words. I think it's about 4,000 words that go with that. Um, so that gives you enough foundation to sort of start really immersing in Chinese and understanding a lot of what you're seeing and hearing. Um, so congratulations no one else gets this except those in the course I've added and reviewed all the sentence cards so far in the intermediate course it's been hard work and slow progress at times and I know not recommended but yesterday speaking to my friend who has been learning Chinese and spent time speaking to native speakers a lot and he is asking me what certain words are and they're just there so first off I would not say that so what what this person is referring to is that there's a lot of sentence. We we give a sentence for sometimes multiple sentences for every single usage of every single word. So as you can imagine, four thousand words. I think it's something like seven thousand sentences, right? Because there's multiple usages for many words. So we've never recommended don't do the sentences, and but we say don't feel like you have to do every sentence because some people do and they get pressured, and they, some people like to take the more fast track. Uh, the speedy track um, but it's absolutely fine in fact I, I, I would actually lean towards encouraging you to do all the sentences um, because it's it's just a great really efficient way 
um, at least there's some as a, at some point the law of diminishing returns kicks in and your level gets too high to where the, to a point where you're like oh I don't want to look at individual sentences um, to learn a word I want to just explore the language but uh, so this is more surgical um, but I would still if I was if I could do it all again and I had Mandarin Blueprint I would just I would do all the sentences personally um, but a lot of people don't like to do that and that's absolutely fine we like to, we like to encourage people to approach the course how they feel um, makes them enjoy the process the most because at the end of the day that's the most important factor but I've actually seen multiple messages of complete polar opposite views on this like recently there was a uh, uh, Lynn Ford who sent a message I believe it was her um, saying I did all the all the um, all of the sentences just like this person has done and I, I, I have to say um, it was it was a really really good decision I'm so glad I did it because like this person is also saying it's just there I just I'm acquiring things at such a, uh, a rapid rate and because we've done so many so much analysis of such a huge corpus of characters and words and we've chosen these characters and words that we teach you in you know in a very specific order very carefully uh, and you the looking at the sentences over and over again using flashcards is like I said a really surgical way of acquiring the grammar of each of these words you're acquiring words um, with the most possible bang for their buck so you know the most weight they have the most um, the words that hold the most weight in the language and have the most coverage um, so if you do re review all the sentences you're going to be getting to a very high level very quickly in terms of your understanding at least um, because these 4,000 words, 1,500 characters cover like 99% or is it 96%? No, no, sorry, 94%. That's it, 94% approximately of the language by coverage. Um, so yeah, like by the time you're finished with all of them, you'll just be, you'll just notice just a huge, huge, huge jump in your ability to understand and, and consume the language. That's why we say, well, there's a few things that I want to tell you about our our developments, where we're going at the moment, and what some stuff that we're creating, which is really exciting. But I want to save that for a little while. Um, and I, I don't want to uh, do what I often do, which is like announce it like months in advance, and then and uh, just because I'm excited about it, and then it takes people have to wait ages to actually see the stuff. Anyway, um, but yeah. Uh, I've gone on for a huge long tangent there. Let's get back to the message. So I know what the character looks like in my mind. I have a deeper understanding of the usages of it as I've seen it in multiple compound words. And if I'm ever in doubt on the tones, they can be found in my mind almost instantly because we use memory palaces to teach teach the characters. So it's just, oh, where am I? Oh, I'm in the kitchen. Okay, second tone. Oh, I'm in the toilet. Okay, fourth tone. It sounds weird, but it works. Only three weeks away uh, from finishing this phase and I'm very excited so thanks so much for the brilliant course. I can't afford a teacher yet, but plan to once I've finished the upper intermediate course to start using all this stuff stored in my memory palace. I find myself saying things in Chinese all day long, and it's amazing how lots of does and lers find their way into sent sentences without thought. We'll probably send a hugely unnecessarily long email once I'm done with the intermediate course. Oh, I look forward to that, and um, we'll certainly share it if you're if you're happy to do that. So thanks, thanks a lot for that. I love seeing these kinds of emails. And um, we have, speaking of emails, we got another couple from Gavia, and she's been. Um, it's, it's, it's. I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but uh, 
she always seems to time her emails so that it's my time to read them. I, so I, I always get to read them on the podcast. They're really fun to read um, because I think um, they're really important as well. If, if you look at my last two podcasts, so this is number 70. I think I missed my last one. So this is like, I think it's podcast 165 and 167. Don't quote me on that. But basically the last two before this one <laughs> that I was in, that I did, um, at the very beginning of both of those podcasts, it's like a, they're updates from Gabby. So she sent a message before she was struggling with, um, basically she feels her progress is too slow and I shared some advice on that. Uh, and this is her um, with an update. So let's see what she says. It says, hi, it's Gavia again. Today is Sunday, finally time for Chinese and to fill your inbox with two long messages. I got up, went for a walk and started to review some sentences and actively listened to one of those two difficult podcasts that I don't have time for during the week. Then kept on with passive listening when making breakfast, etc. I don't know how long, but maybe close to three hours of uninterrupted listening at different levels of paying attention to it or not. Then I talked on the phone with my spy guy. That's uh, find the podcast called Spy Level Chinese, and you'll hear it. You'll you'll uh, you'll know where that reference is from. Uh, hello, talk friend. I haven't spoken to more than a few times with anyone in the past three months or so, and the conversations are always very organic mixture of Chinese, English, and Spanish. For the sake of communication more formally than more formally learning or teaching. Today it worked out well though. He was telling me about a project he has in mind and I corrected just a few words here and there. His English is very good. Then I suggested he should tell me some the same story in slow and easy Chinese while he was speaking Chinese. I would repeat some sentences back to him in Chinese and he'd correct my pronunciation. Or I would repeat the idea of a longer sentence back to him in English to let him know how much I understood, even when I didn't understand every word of it. This was actually much more useful language learning wise than my usual hello talk conversations mixing languages. Hmm. Interesting technique. At one point he said a sentence that ended up ended in something that sounded like li he, li he, and said he didn't actually know how to translate the last word to English and I shouldn't worry about it. I said to him in English what I had understood of the sentence and then he asked him, and it was, he actually was talking about a gift box, li mm. It's not that hard. Li wu is a word that I know from before. I've not formally studied he but I think it's there as a top-down word in Mandarin blueprint sentences, and I totally knew the context from having heard this story in English a few minutes ago. Seeing it in writing, it would have been obvious anyway but still, this is a first for me, grabbing a new word directly from the spoken language. Not seeing the characters, but just listening and noticing, hey, this must be it. Immediately knowing how it's all written and all. Yeah, that's the, the value of good foundation building. You have a good strong foundation in knowing the tones of the characters that you're learning. And uh, of course, pronunciation is one of the first things you learned with us, right? So when, when you listen a lot as well, it sort of all starts to connect together. It felt incredible and Spy Guy was again convinced that I must be a spy that actually has a much higher Chinese level than anyone thinks. <laughs> I must say this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for thoroughly knowing the characters, there we go, that I know from studying your course, level 48 for me right now, and for your advice to listen, listen, listen and immerse in the language. But I've been doing my listening immersion for what, maybe less than three weeks now? It really works. Yes, it does. Um, 
We kept on speaking for a while and then another Hello Talk friend showed up chatting and writing and now I still have all the afternoon to myself and Chinese. I'm happy and excited and want to keep studying or at least listening, but I'm wondering about what's the best course of action when I've been doing things that are really on the limit of my abilities for the whole morning and my brain is fried. Happily fried, but absolutely fried. Should I just keep on listening to some easier stuff? or study characters, or maybe it would be better to just let things rest and go for total silence until tomorrow, just being happy about today's wins. I guess there's no right answer to that. Can't help thinking about how the learning process will be at the point where I will actually be able to pick up words from speech on the go like this. Mind-blowing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and best regards, Gavia. So quickly, as in answer to that, there's another message coming up, but uh, just in quick answer to that, um, the answer that I gave uh, Gavia was um, when your brain is fried, you've already been doing it too long, okay? You've been trying, working too hard, and if you repeatedly get to that drunk you get, get into that situation where you're just fried, um, that's where you sort of head towards burnout. And getting to, towards burnout is where you get sort of, yeah, like you said, you're happily fried, so you're not like, oh god I can't do this kind of fried but you're just no energy left there's a quote from um, Ernest Hemingway um, where he says I, I don't I, I'm sort of probably not quoting exactly I'm doing it from the top of my head but it's something like the best way as in the best way to write well uh, is to stop when you're going good right so when you're in the flow yeah, that great. But when you're still, you know, maybe not interrupt your own flow state, but when you're at the point where maybe you're out of flow state, but you're still enjoying yourself, um, you're getting to that point of like on the, like maybe approaching that level of like running out of energy, but still, you know, still good, you know, happy, energetic, but just maybe not immersed, immersed in, in, in the content. Maybe it's a good idea just to stop or switch it up, um, switch over to something more relaxing. Uh, do not let yourself get fried. I've had days like that where I'm just like, uh, I'm getting into the content or I'm I'm just sort of, or do you know what? This happens to me when I get a day like that goes really well. I get loads of immersion in um, when I'm on like four hours or something like that, which is good for me because I'm so busy. But like, I go, oh, I've done four hours. What else can I do? Can I, can I, can I get to six hours? I think I can get six hours today and I'll, I'll be ahead of the, I'll be, <clears throat> excuse me. If I get to six hours, I'll be ahead of the game. Um, it's not the real right way to think about it. When you're running out of energy or feel that you might be starting to just, just stop, go have a walk or do something, switch to a much more relaxing form of immersion is my advice in there. I'd say, uh, I'd say don't, don't ever risk burning out. Um, it's much better to keep the, bo keep the water boiling, as Katsumoto would say, um, uh, rather than to like burn a hole in the, in the pot and like, all the water comes out and destroys your cooker as well. So the next message here, um, just to, I think it was the same day actually. Uh, she says, uh, I'm so excited about my new immersion phase and I have tons of ideas and questions, but today I, should, I really try to keep this short or shorter than the usual at least. Do you think it's okay to listen to people speaking with an accent when starting the immersion phase? Someone Chinese, not a language learning specialist in any way, mentioned I should stick to listening to standard Mandarin only to avoid learning bad pronunciation. Bad pronunciation. Uh, we'll come back to that. My own thinking is that standard Mandarin is important at the time when I start to speak or when I'm shadowing. I consider listening to audio with different accents as a good way to practice getting used to hearing the same things pronounced a bit differently. It's still Putonghua, not any other dialect, quote unquote. 
of course, right? I do try to make sure I get a varied diet of audio that includes lots of healthy standard pronunciation as well. The MB course material is full of that and I listen to it every day. I was going to say that when I listen to accented speech, I like to try to pay attention to how they are pronouncing things differently. But that's more wishful thinking rather than the truth. When I listen to native speed speech with an accent or without an accent, I don't understand much of it. And I definitely don't have time to think of anything at all. However, I sometimes find that just relaxing into listening to that level of speed, not not worrying about whether I understand or not, sometimes helps me lift my mind to a state where I surprisingly understand much more than I ever thought I could. That's called immersion. That's called true immersion. 沉浸, like um, to literally immerse. That's the true definition of the word, right? Uh, so immersion is not just listening to stuff. The key to or reading stuff, right? That that's definitely part of it. But I think the the true when you're you're in true you're truly immersing yourself when it's it's stuff that you enjoy and where you actually forget kind of or you have the chance of forgetting rather that you're listening to a foreign language that you're not that good at yet, right? Or that you maybe you are good at. You just you're just consuming it to get better. Um, but your immersion is when you're consuming the language, not um, sort of, I guess, functionally. Like I'm trying to learn the language here. You're consuming it in the same way that native speakers consume it. You're consuming it like um, to educate yourself on the actual content or to entertain yourself. Okay, so that's just my personal view. Uh, and I think when you start to getting to the point where you're describing right now, that's that's like true immersion. That's what you're trying to aim for. Not that you'll always be able to be there. That's kind of like the flow state. But um, yeah, that's like that's like the goal. I think kind of like I understand faster than I can think, which could also be expressed as I stopped trying to unconsciously translate what I'm hearing, even if I never noticed that I was translating in the first place. Sometimes it's so weird that as soon as I notice that I that I understand actually quite a bit, I immediately fall back to reality, start thinking and quit understanding. That <laughs> sounds like a meditation or something. A bit like when you are dreaming and you notice that it's a dream, but as soon as you notice, you wake up and can't get back. This is why I want to include some too difficult material in my listening diet, besides the fact that real life, when my Chinese eventually gets there someday, will be like that. Accents vary and everything is too fast. I think trying to listen to the real thing, quote unquote, is just fun and cool. Getting to that not thinking but understanding state doesn't happen to me with slow and understandable audio. It needs to be something so fast and hard that I can maybe give up trying and thinking. But yes, there needs to be a daily dose of understandable, easy, standard audio too. That's really interesting. Thank you again and congratulations for getting the advanced course out. I look forward to getting there. Gavion. Okay, so the main question here, so thanks for that, I really appreciate it. I think a lot of people appreciate this kind of uh, uh, detailed sort of uh, account of your experience uh, learning this language. Um, but the main question is, should I bother listening to stuff with accents? I think absolutely. Um, but, and it's kind of unavoidable. If you're, I guess, you know, if you're watching TV shows, I guess it's pretty much all standard Mandarin, right? Except for like the more advanced TV shows. Um, that are more difficult, like Wu Lin Wai Zhuan or something like that, which actually is it makes Wu Lin Wai Zhuan. It's like my wife's favorite TV show ever. Um, she can listen to it's like seventy episodes. She can she's like watched every single one like a thousand times or something. Um, it's like a very got a very cult following, and the whole point of that show, like one of the one of the key sort of characteristics of the show, is that it has 
all the different characters are, have all these different accents from different parts of China, and it's really fun. But here's the thing. Very, very few people speak absolute standard Mandarin, so kind of like it's weird, like learning just limiting yourself to standard Mandarin is not real Chinese, um, um, arguably, right? But it's so that's when the person above said uh, bad when people speak. What did he say? Uh, avoid learning bad pronunciation. Bad. It's not bad pronunciation. It's just like someone from Newcastle in England. You know, they would say like. I, I, can't, I didn't want to do a Geordie accent, but let's put it like someone from Newcastle or someone from Yorkshire or someone from Leeds, they're from like the north of, north of England, um, and as opposed to someone from like Devon or Cornwall or Portsmouth, right? Or London. These, all these people have very different accents. Right? Rather, it's like, are they speaking wrong? Is someone from Newcastle speaking with bad pronunciation? No. Um, so... Uh, and you know, if you so if you're around, you need to be able to understand um, accents. Not like you said, not dialects. I think if you what you know, I I don't really understand much dialect. Uh, I understand a bit of Sichuanhua and stuff like that, but it's like it's not really. And of course, my wife's Changzhouhua. Uh, um, you know, up, up where we are. Um, but it's only if you're in my specific situation. I think you know, there's very few t like there's very in my opinion very few reasons to learn an actual dialect uh, other than um my family is from there and <laughs> i want to be able to speak to them or understand them better that's cool um or if it just interests you but yeah you i think it's good very important actually to um immerse yourself yourself in other accents but if you're listening to natural native chinese content anyway it will naturally happen anyway um so the southern accent, for example, in Chinese, um, where it's like instead of zhi zhi shi, it's more like zi zi zi, or like the Guangdong accent, or the, even the Taiwanese accent. You know, um, it's it's important to uh, expose yourself to that. But you naturally won't expose yourself to it very much in the early days because you'll be mainly focusing on graded content, lower level content, which will naturally be um standard mandarin right or easier tv shows the reason you'll be focusing on that because it's easier right and, and they usually actually naturally have standard mandarin so i won't worry about it too much um i think it's good to expose yourself to it but um you don't need to go out of your way to find accents and be like oh, i must listen to the accent it will just naturally happen you'll naturally get used to it um cool so thanks again uh Gavia, for sharing do keep us updated Next is John Kramer on time to get rid about sentences. This is level 13 where we say, okay, you've just learned foundational handful of words and characters. Now here's a bunch of sentences that are made up of those characters. And you guess what? You can read all of them without pinyin or English. You can just read them because you've learned the characters involved. So it's a very exciting lesson for a lot of people. He says, this lesson didn't come soon enough. What a great boost to put all the hands of movie making to practical use. That's the character learning method. And what a thrill to be able to read sentences in Mandarin. Love it. Yeah, I'm excited for you, John. Congratulations. Uh, we've got a lot more wins ahead of you. Next is Lin. Vocab unlock for Si. I was wondering if you knew the origins of Dili. Usually I kind of figure out why certain characters are used for a word, but this one I'm at a loss. I tried to Google search and couldn't find anything. I went over each character in Pleco to see if I could figure out there and I just don't understand why these characters were chosen to mean hysterical just curious if you knew well that shows that you're um 
yeah, I think I think that this makes sense. It shows that you're getting to a high level because when you are actually genuinely stumped, there's a good reason. It's probably because it's a transliteration, right? Transliteration is like a literal translation of an English word. Right? They didn't didn't exist in Chinese, and they just took the English word and they chose a bunch of characters that kind of sound like it. So this is a transliteration. Siesadili. Uh, oh, sorry, Siesadili. Sorry, I apologize. That's the um, third character, third tone. Siesadili. Um, I'm saying myself now. Siesadili. Siesadili. There we go. Um, this is a transliteration of the word hysteria, which is an actual um, mental illness. Okay, so, um, but it's used uh in a, like in the same way that we use hysterically uh so it's not actually a it's not it is the uh illness but it's usually used in a sort of more metaphorical sense like um she cried or screamed hysterically or something like that siesadidi the uh cooler or something like that um so yeah that's why it uh it will might if it, when words like that trip you up um, that's usually the reason. Uh, when you, get, especially when you get this far into the course, you're like, I can't figure out the connection. If you can't figure out the connection, it's probably because there isn't one. Because it's, it's like a Disney, Disney. It's Disney, and you know that's the, that's very very common in Chinese. That used to throw me off a lot when I was reading. Like, uh, I, I love reading like uh, books translated from English or books that I like in English, the the, the Chinese versions. And I'd spend like ages like, what is this? What is this word? How come I'm never... Oh, yeah, it's someone's name. I'd be looking at it for like two minutes like, hmm, you know, what is that? doesn't make any sense to me. What are these characters? Oh, it's a name, <laughs> right? So um, really common, but you get used to it again like everything else. So um, that's what that is. Jimmy uh, has a good question about... Uh, blood in Chinese. Let's go into it. And I've got to say, this is one that I never actually looked up until now, until I, people ask me these questions. I'm like, oh, why is it? Why is this? So um, the word blood in Chinese is pronounced, it's the same character, one character pronounced two completely different ways. One is xue, and the other is xie, like with a fourth tone and a third tone, all right? But the same, the same character. And uh, I had never really thought why it was pronounced either way until I looked it up. Uh, and the best way to look this up is to just uh, go to Baidu. Um, for like, but of course, it involved being able to read Chinese, so it's kind of a catch twenty-two. So you want to be, you want to try and get good at Chinese by figuring out this stuff. But you have to be good at Chinese to be able to figure out. So I'm going to show you a bunch of examples just to make this clear. So my explanation might not sound very clear. Um, it's usually just to look at example words with xue or xie used and you'll, it'll become clear, actually. But the, the key difference between the two is this. Xue um, is slightly more formal and it's used in actual compound words. You'll usually see it at the beginning of like a, a series of characters that make up a word. And it's very, very tightly woven into that sort of setting set of characters. Um, to make the final meaning, whereas xie is kind of like it's usually on the end. It's it is still a compound word. It's still part of a compound word, but it's it's like more separated uh, from the rest of the characters. Not again, doesn't make much sense, right? Just hearing the explanation. So that's just if, you, if I show you example words, and you will need a little bit of basis of understanding of Chinese to actually understand this. But um, 
I think I think most of you will be all right. So let's look at the examples that we have on screen here for xue, right? So xue hong danbai, which is hemoglobin, right? So literally xue hong, blood red protein, danbai. Um, and you'll see in brackets the word xian ding, which just means like a fixed word, like a, it's, a, it's a fixed term. Xue ro mo hu, this is like a, a phrase. Um, I don't think it would count as a cheng yu, but uh, it might do. I'm, I'm, but... Uh, so like blood, meat, like unclear, right? So it's, it's kind of a gross word. It means like mutilation, mangled, mutilated. Um, so, but you can't take away from that. It's like, it's like an equal, it's on, on equal par with the rest of the, the characters in this um, particular phrase, right? right? Is blood, right? Literally blood liquid is blood. That's the whole word. Is circulation. Uh, so blood circulation, right? So to say that word in Chinese, xue ye xun huan, you'd need the xue pronunciation. The next one, yi pian xue po, xue po. Right, so the key thing you're noticing here is that when it's xue, it's usually before the rest of the characters. Like xue po means a pool of blood. <laughs> so sorry about this, but we are talking about blood, right? So it's going to be related to sort of not very pleasant words a lot of the time. Or xin feng xue yu. All right, so I don't even want to tell you what that means, <laughs> but xue but yu means like raining blood, okay? Blood is thicker than water. Xue nong yu shui. Xue nong yu shui. That's like a more ancient word. So it's, as you can see, that's why xue sort of is more of a formal thing. But it, ah, oh, and there's an explanation after this, which you might be able to understand, which gives you a different version. They said, if you wanted to kou yu hua, if you wanted to say, ah, oh, this is actually really interesting. I never noticed this when I just copied and pasted this, but I'm, now I read it properly. Um, if you go back, go back up again where we have xue ro mo hu, in brackets afterwards, it shows you the kou yu hua. If I was going to make it into more common um, spoken Chinese, it would be this. Xie he rou dou hun yi qi kan bu qing. So again, it's, it's, uh, when, when you speak in a more kou yu way, when it's, uh, it's like a, it separates from the other word, just like saying it as an individual word, like blood, xie. Uh, it you 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 would use the xie pronunciation like xie and meat mixed together not clear un and for this one I just said xue nong yu shui that's like the formal way of saying it it's like a, a phrase or a cheng yu right but if you wanted to say that in a just a spoken way you would say xie bi shui nong bi shui nong right so blood is literally like it's just a more spoken way of saying it more of a literal way blood is thicker than water or nong is more like um, concentrated right and then there's one more example here which is uh, uh, liu cheng he. so it's basically like blood flowed as river like and formed rivers it's like saying rivers of blood basically like a, after a big battle or something like that uh, but if you want to say it more kou yu hua, more spoken Chinese, you would use the xie pronunciation. So in the one I just said, xue liu cheng he, this is like a phrase, this is a cheng yu, it's a fixed expression, like a like a turn of phrase. Rivers of blood is like a fixed expression. Whereas um, if you're going to say something more like the blood flowed just like rivers, oh, my English is terrible, but like if you want to be like just explain what happened more matter of factly in a more common way, you would just say right so blood flowed as just just like it was like like river like rivers right so it's more of just a phrase um so that's basically what she is and if you look at the ex examples for she it's 
you know, it's it's more separate from the previous characters you can see. So Yashir, Yashir, right? Duck blood, right? It's, it's it's not like it is technically a word together, but it's it's more separate, if you know what I mean. So Liu Bishue. Liu Bishue. Like to Liu to flow nose blood, right? To have a nosebleed. Uh, it's more of a koyu or toshie. Toshie is like literally to take blood, right? So if you go get a health check or something like that. Yeah, and then, yeah, I don't want to give the other examples again. <laughs> I don't want to keep putting all these words in these images in your head. But yeah, basically that is the gist. So um, really interesting. Thanks for the question. Um, I'm sure that's actually one that's on a lot of learners' minds because it's not as long as you learn the words. Um, so yeah, so basically you'll be able to sort of get more of an instinct instinct going forward. When you learn a new word with this character, you'll be able to remember easier which pronunciation it should be. Next one here is from Lynn on vocab, vocab from Port. She says uh, she has a sentence here. She just gives it one of the sentences that are unlocked in the course, which is 睡觉的时候不要用手压迫胸压迫胸 like pressure on your chest while you're sleeping. If you do that, you'll have nightmares. And she, I, I, I've never heard that. I don't know if you have. She said, this was an interesting sentence. I'd never heard of this before, and I wanted to know if this was actually a thing. So I paused my flashcard reviews and dived into a rabbit hole of articles about where this came from, and there is some science behind it which led to reading about pressure points on the body and then some folk stories, all very fascinating. It happens a lot when I read something on our, our flashcards or stories and then end up in a Google black hole of learning more about the culture. I love how language learning is so about so much more than just speaking. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting thing. I had never heard that, but so obviously having not, like this is connected to having nightmares, like, like putting pressure on your chest. Okay, you know, um, really interesting. Um, and I really like the the final sentence here. I love how language learning is so much more about sorry is is about so much more than just speaking, and that's so true. Learning how to speak well is of course a huge part. You're, you're way you're, you're way past halfway there. <laughs> like, but there's a 10, 20, maybe even thirty percent of communication that is nonverbal, and um, maybe it's even more than that. I don't know, but there's some statistic about that. And it's not just about your gestures and body language, and that your tone. Um, not tones, but your intonation, uh, also how you look at people. Um, it's 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 also about un cultural understandings, like what to do at certain points. So I'll give you an example that just happened to me today. Um, I'm not too bad, like because my wife is Chinese and I have quite a bit of experience. Uh, I've never done business in China, really. Um, I've dabbled, but not really properly. Not like my friend Scott or something like that. I haven't, I haven't like built businesses in China and uh, that involve like, you know, dealing with Chinese people all the time. So I'm not like great at it, but um, I do understand quite a bit now about how to deal with certain family members in different ways, like w what to say and what to do. And But I always, I, I, like an example for you, right? I dropped my wife off at the village just outside the city where I am. I'm, I'm in Qingxian right now. It's a very small city. Um, and I dropped my wife and kid off at my mother-in-law's, just a village outside the city. And as I was leaving, I was like, I'm coming back in the afternoon. No need to, because she was like, she's like really, really nice. And the, the mother-in-law wants to sort of follow me outside to the car. And I'm like, there's no need, there's no need. Uh, and I just sort of left. And I just went, I just like sort of waved. I was like, no, 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 no. Um, what did I say to her? Something really basic, like, like something like, um, like no need to song me like that 
Chinese people, when you leave their house, they'll song you. They'll deliver you outside, basically. Um, not to make sure you leave, but like to like just be polite, like you know, like your nan might have done. I remember my nan always used to wave until we were out of sight and stuff. And often, the more traditional you are, the more you live in the village. Basically, the more village you are, the more the more you have these sort of tendencies. And I just really blasé, just went, no need, no need, thanks. I'll see you in the afternoon. So I'm literally coming back, but she's still like following because like, you literally have to like push them back, basically, and, and hot, touch their body and just be like no <laughs> go back inside because uh, it's really super cold where we are as well so it's like what i should have done the what what a chinese person would have done from that village is uh i would have said no 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 like i would have like smiled and and held her shoulders and turned her around like physically <laughs> and said no need to um no need to follow me um I'll, you know, I'll see you in the afternoon. But I just sort of waved like that. So because I only waved and was like, no, 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 see you later, and was more was too blasé about it, she followed me all the way out. And I realized she was still behind me when I was at the car. Like, go inside. <laughs> so it's a small thing, but those little things really matter. And it's how you communicate. Um, it's, it's not verbal, right? It's not anything to do with words. It's to do with physical actions. Um, and that's just through experience. And I... I I've said this before, um, but it's one of my it's one of my things that I want to do. Uh, maybe at some point this year, uh, I'd like to bring out a cultural understanding course. I'd like us to create something like that because um, it's so important. You know, speaking Chinese really well is like seventy percent of the way there, uh, and that's more than most people ever ever do, uh, for sure. Uh, you're still ahead of ninety nine percent of people that learn Chinese by learning it well through Mandarin Blueprint. But if you also go that extra extra mile um wow like that really opens up doors for you trust me so um yeah it's definitely about more than just speaking next is matt um on level 33 complete and he says oh my gosh the explanations for the question words are so helpful i get why they weren't an explicit uh grammar point earlier in the course because that would have been distracting and counterproductive for the reasons you mentioned in the same article but it feels like a missing puzzle piece for me to see what I've been unconsciously getting the hang of spelled out explicitly like this. There is really so much clicking in the home stretch of the foundation course. I'm excited for the last few levels. Yeah. So what, what Matt's referring to is basically what, the way we teach grammar, we don't teach grammar. We, um, you learn grammar naturally and we've calculated it so that we know exactly when, roughly when you've had uh, 10 exposures to a certain usage of a certain word right so we're, we're kind of nerdy like that so when you've seen the word in context and had a chance to review your flashcards with that in that sentence that in that specific usage then we'll show you uh the grammar point then we'll say oh this is what you've learned already subconsciously this is what you've acquired um now i think it's also very valid to say hey this is how grammar works and now here's a bunch of example sentences i think that works fine but um, I personally like this uh, this way because it's not as um, rewarding. Um, it's not as sort of, how, how would you say? It's not as sort of um, consciously rewarding uh, throughout the entire process, but it's hugely consciously rewarding at the end once you like, like what Matt's experiencing. Like, ah, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know how it works. Like, but I knew un unconsciously. Uh, but now what you're explaining, yes, I know, already know that consciously. Fantastic. You know, it's like a nice sort of surprise. So I, we personally prefer that way. Uh, but I think both ways work. And next is Rick on Yao Chou, 
which means to request. So yao chou with a first tone. Yao, yao. Uh, so he says, any suggestions for our mnemonic movie to remind us of the less common tone for yao in, sorry, for yao in yao chou. So of course this word means to want when it's a fourth tone. Yao, wo yao nega. I want that one, right? So it's, it's, that's obviously the most common usage. But when it's in this particular formation of characters, yao chou, yao chou, it's a, it's a first tone. So how to rem remind yourself of that? Well, you won't need to rely on this for too long. And once you start getting exposure, of course, you know that uh, by now, Rick. But uh, uh, one thing I did say to Rick is just as off my off the top of my head as a good sort of mnemonic. was like people who make a lot of yao chols, like requests, they're very high maintenance. Or that they they have they, yeah they demand they have high demand for things right so that's just boom high is first tone, um, just a really so I thought if anyone else is sort of at the stage where you want to learn that word that's a good little tip for you to remember those two so I thought I'd leave that in here, another one from John he says uh, I just wanted to say I've learned a lot so far from the member comments and the videos, really appreciate appreciate everyone's contributions and the responses slash follow-up clarifications from Luke and Phil. Thank you so much for that, John. Yes, I agree. And this is something that uh, Phil and I instinctively kind of knew would would pay off massively uh, years, you know, in 2019 when we first launched this course. So we, we, we always, from the get-go, put a lot of effort into encouraging comments and uh, responding, and, and we still do, and we, we always will, you know, because it's... It's such a thing that was missing for us is that community aspect when we were trying to sort of muddle our way through and figure things out with Chinese. And um, yeah, so I'm glad that you're finding that uh, useful. Another one from Rick here. Again, I thought useful. Uh, some people might want to know a little tidbit. Um, so there's a sentence here with huaraman. Now, if you know, you, you know, you probably listen to this. You, if you listen to this, you probably know a bit of Chinese and you know that that men on the end is used for people only. Right, in theory. So huaraman, right? So it's about a story about growing flowers. <clears throat> so surely we made a mistake there, right? And you know what? When I first uh, saw this, I thought, hey, maybe we did make a mistake. But then I remembered, oh, no, no, no. I looked at the context. Men, um, this men is only for people, but it's also used when you personify or is it anthropomorphize? Is that the word? Where you personify or anthropomorphize objects or animals into people you think of them in the context of people like maybe someone who's obsessed with gardening and loves her flowers and she talks to the flowers every morning ah oh, well the hormone right so um <clears throat> it's okay to use it in that context uh yeah so like I, my wife uh, she'll say Goldman, Goldman, which is something that i've never heard anyone else say so I don't, don't quote me on that as like something to say that's accurate but uh, she might just be making it up as a joke, but gold's a man like gold, Goldman is like referring to our two dogs, right? So, so, um, so yeah, it's just a little tidbit for you. And one final comment here from Theodore, uh, make a movie for xie, which is means thank you. Say xie xie in Chinese to say thank you. And it's look at it, it's a really complicated word, uh, character rather. Um, but this is what Theodore has to say. He says, This is really cool. This is the sort of character I would have looked at before starting the course and thinking. How could you possibly remember all the strokes in that? But here I am, able to easily write it out since I've learned each component step by step. Really looking forward to learn even more complicated characters in the future. So thank you so much for that, Theodore. And yeah, characters are not as hard as you think they are, not as complicated as you think they are, uh, if you learn them in the right way. And speaking of that, 
if you have listened all this way and you have not at least tried the Mandarin Blueprint method, and I'm assuming that you want to become awesome at Chinese at some point, uh, otherwise you wouldn't have listened this long. Um, if you don't want to learn Chinese, you listen this long, that's a great compliment to me, I guess. So thanks. But if you do want to learn Chinese, then I seriously recommend that you start a 14-day free trial of the Mandarin Blueprint method and see what all the fuss is about. So without further ado, thank you so much for listening. I've really enjoyed, as usual, reading all these comments and emails from you guys. And uh, yeah, I will be back in a month or so, and I will hopefully be back in Dali and have my, um, my usual background <laughs> that isn't uh, my nephew's bedroom, <laughs> which is where I currently am. So uh, thanks a lot, guys. Really enjoyed. I uh, hope it was helpful for you this week, and I will see you in a few weeks. Bye-bye.